The Lord is with you. Lift up your hearts. Grace and peace to you. On behalf of Dean Robert Allen Hill and the Marsh Chapel community, as we are a gathered congregation, present at 735 Commonwealth Avenue, present in New England throughout National Public Radio, WBUR 90.9 FM, and present through internet and past podcast around the globe at WBUR.org. Dean Hill sends his greetings from New York, where he is spending some time with family. We look forward to his return to us on June 26th. I am Victoria Hart Gaskell, an elder in the New England Conference of the United Methodist Church and a chapel associate here at Marsh. Joining with me in reading the service are the Reverend Kristen Heidegger and Marsh Associate Savannah Wu, with Chapel Associate the Reverend Jennifer Quigley as our cantor for the psalm. Our prayers of the people are offered on our behalf by Reverend Heidinger, as Reverend Quigley also offers our offertory prayer. Our musicians this morning are the Marsh Chapel Choir, under the direction of our own Dr. Scott Allen Jarrett, who this morning also serves as our organist. We are very pleased to welcome to our pulpit this morning the Reverend Rebecca W. Dolch, she is an elder in the Upper New York Conference of the United Methodist Church and has preached at our pulpit before as the preacher for the first Woman and the Word Conference in the early 80s, sponsored by the Boston University School of Theology. She has served as a pastor for 40 years and is now retired from her latest appointments at St. Paul's United Methodist Church and Forest Home Chapel in Ithaca, New York. Welcome, Reverend Dolch. As always, we encourage your written or emailed responses, your prayerful and material support, your selection of personal forms of ministry amongst us, and as the Spirit moves, your presence with us in worship. So now, beloved, rise up and at the invitation throughout the service, in body as you are able, but certainly in heart, in the praise and worship of God.
pray with me? Grant to us, Lord, we pray, the spirit to think and do always those things that are right, that we, who cannot exist without you, may by you be enabled to live according to your will. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. As our choir leads us now in the singing of the traditional Kyrie, I'd invite you to meditate in the silence of your hearts on those times when you have fallen short of the glory of God. We confess our sins. God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 9, verses 36 to 43. Now in Joppa, there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. At that time, she became ill and died. When they had washed her, they had laid her in a room upstairs. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the, the disciples, who heard that Peter was there, sent two men to him with the request, Please come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with them, and when he arrived, they took him to the room upstairs. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas has made, had made while she was with them. Peter put all of them outside, and then he knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. Then she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and held her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he showed her to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Meanwhile, he, laid, he stayed in Joppa for some time with a certain Simon, a Tainer. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Please join me in reading responsively the Canticle of Hope from the Book of Revelation, including the Antiphon. heaven and earth, for the old will pass away. We shall see a new Jerusalem, the holy city descending from heaven. The city shall need no sun or moon, for God's glory will be its light. For God's Lamb will be its lamp, and by its light the nation shall walk. We shall hear a loud voice from the throne. Behold, God's dwelling is with mortals. Indeed, God will dwell with them, and they will be God's people. God shall wipe away all our tears, and there shall be no more death. Mourning, crying, and pain shall cease, for all former things will pass away. We shall hear one speak from the throne. Behold, I make all things new. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Our Lord testifies to these things. Behold, I am coming soon. The grace of our Lord is with us. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, come. of the glory of Patri, the reading of the gospel, and the singing of the hymn. of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Glory to you, O Lord. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may also be. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated for an introduction on our next hymn. My mother used to hum hymns. And the one that she hummed the most 
almost every day of her life that I could recall was this next hymn, Jesus, Savior, Pilot, Me. She would just hum little parts of it. And, you know, I never really paid much attention to the words until after she died, and I realized that all those years she had been humming this tune, and the, the, the lyrics are all about that when we are passing from one life to another, that it feels as if there is maybe a raging sea as we think about it in advance, and that we are called to, um, to call on Jesus as the captain of the boat to lead us to the restful shore. Let us sing together now. Jesus, Savior, pilot me. be seated and let us join together in prayer. We are here, O oh God, because sometimes um, our day has seemed like a tumultuous sea, and we need your guidance and your comfort and your protection. And so we ask that you use these holy stories from Scripture, that your presence, your guidance, will move in each one of us. Amen.
Well, it's wonderful to be here. Um, a great friend of Robert Hill. We have known each other since early ministry, and I just admire him so much, and I'm so grateful uh, to be invited to speak. And also, thank you to this incredible choir. Uh, there's a phrase in scripture that says, may you be completely filled with the very fullness of God, which is what this music does. Thank you. Thank you. Testimonials always get my attention. I love to hear people tell stories about what works for them. It doesn't matter really what kind of testimonials. We always love the ones about diets and how people lost 96 pounds and were totally transformed. I'm always hoping. And children give a lot of testimonials. Our little grandson the other night was three and he said, I was really, really scared, but I took my special blue blanket and I put it over my face and then I wasn't scared anymore. A child's testimonial on how to deal with fear. And the story that was read this morning about Tabitha is a testimonial. It's a story about how Peter uh, was called in by the uh, women whom this amazing uh, disciple Tabitha devoted her life to, these poor women. And they called in Peter. He came, he sat beside her, he prayed, and then he said to her, Tabitha, rise up. And she rose from the dead. And the scripture says that people heard about this story all over, and they came to believe in the Lord. So testimonials have kind of a transformational quality. Today I want to talk about that I am convinced that we can all benefit by being more comfortable hearing and telling stories about death. Every single one of us is going to die, and if we live a very long time, we're going to have to deal with the death of most of our friends and family. In addition to death, we have hundreds of other kinds of losses, like people moving away, families falling apart, health and sometimes health care falling apart, society and the climate acting crazy and out of control. If you read the papers this morning, the insanity of, of the whole, um, all the things that happened at a white supremacist rally. And everything changing all of the time. All of these losses prepare us for the next losses and for the biggest ones. But I think especially if we give testimonials if we tell stories from our own experience about what makes loss bearable and what we can learn from it. And so today I'm going to continue to talk about Tabitha and her death and resurrection in Acts 9. And then I'm going to tell, give eight testimonial short stories about what I learned from my parents about death. Are you with me? All right. First of all, let me just get it totally out of your head that our family was any kind of idealized anything. That was just not the case. However, my mom and dad were superstars when it came to talking about death. They talked about it so easily. 
that we felt as children that death was kind of like this distant relative that we would finally get to meet, and when we did, it would be wonderful, the best, safe, fun, beautiful, and quite soon everybody that we knew and loved would join us. As children, the four of us were taken to the calling hours of friends and relatives from the time that we could behave. I remember my mother and my grandmother looking at our great Aunt Lily in the casket and straightening her dress and talking about her. They answered my seven-year-old questions. Can she hear us? Well, no, not in the same way that she used to. Can I touch her? Well, yes, you may, but I want to just let you know that her body is going to be very cold because her spirit is not in it anymore. Aunt Lily's spirit is with Jesus. I said, is that weird? And she said, no, her spirit can visit us in our hearts when we think about her, and it's not really scary. It's, it's just different. And they said, God has it figured out so we don't have to worry about it. So the first testimonial was, death is normal, God is in charge. Testimonial number two, picture this, 12 years old at grandmother's funeral, the pastor was reading that familiar scripture from John 14, do not let your hearts be troubled, do not let them be afraid, in my father's house are many rooms If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you and that where I am you may be also? At that very moment, the word became so profoundly real to me that I knew it was true in a mysterious kind of way. And from that day forward, I also knew that the Bible could speak to you like a close friend and tell you things you needed to know. And from that day, I discovered that when people read stories about what Jesus said, that you can experience Jesus speaking directly to you. Testimonial number three, cremation. I remember the struggle that mother had years ago deciding to be cremated instead of buried because she loved the the casket traditions that she grew up with. But daddy reminded her that at one of the churches he served, the cemetery had to be dug up and moved. And when they excavated, they saw that at the bottom of each grave was a simple layer of rich earth that had once been a body a hundred plus years before. And so Mama responded in her very southern voice, well, I guess I might as well be cremated and get it over with. Testimonial number four. Mom and Dad used to make jokes about death all the time, especially my dad. When Daddy was really sick, I would call him in the morning and say, Daddy, how are you doing this morning? And he said, well, I got up and read the newspaper, 
and I made honorable mention in the obituaries. And when he lost his mobility, he would say, I got to keep moving. You got to keep moving and they won't throw dirt on you. Mom and Dad made all of their funeral arrangements way in advance, very early on. They had such a positive and friendly attitude about death, but they were not naive about it. Daddy lost his little brother and sister in childhood. Mother's father died right in front of her when she was 12 years old. Mother's six brothers and sister died before she did, one of them dying of suicide. And their son, my brother, died of cancer at a very early age. And in World War II, my dad used to tell the story about how the two men on either side of him were killed. So they were not immune to tragedy or heartbreak, unfairness, even horror. But still, the message that came through is death is normal and God is in charge. Testimony number five. We were with Mama when they took the breathing tube out. She had had an brain aneurysm the day before. They put it in so that we could all arrive and say goodbye. But it was impossible for her to breathe on her own at 85, so they, we watched them take it out. She lived about just a few minutes. And then in one last long exhale, she was gone. Her essence vanished, vanished right before our eyes and left her sweet old body looking like a beautiful sculpture, not a living being. Just the night before, we had talked on the phone, and her last words were what she always said at the end of the phone call. Bye-bye, darling. I love you. Now, I'm telling you these stories because I think it is important to give testimonies about death and dying, to tell stories of this precious season called the end stage of earthly life is both healing and, um, and assuring. Sharing our faith and trust in the eternal presence of God is beautiful. And it's important to remember to say something like, bye-bye, darling, I love you, every time. Every time. Testimony number six, memorial services. Well, as a pastor for 40 years, I performed hundreds of memorial services. I loved doing them because they were so intimate. They were talking about the essence of that person that, that moves on when they die. But going to mother's service as a daughter and not the minister was different. I wasn't talking about somebody else's death. I was experiencing my mom being gone and at the same time her spiritual presence being with me. It was not like the Bible story of Tabitha being raised from the dead when Peter prayed, but 
for me, it was a small scale, subtle experience of resurrection. Mama is gone, but the great mystery is that her spirit is still here. We didn't do anything grandiose at Mom's memorial service. We talked about how great she was with laundry. She never, ever would wash socks and underwear with dish towels. She taught Sunday school at age 80 when she got over her fear of public speaking. She said, it's never too late, you know. And Steve, her former next-door neighbor of 20 years, drove two hours to the service and came up and said this. He said, Jean knew that my partner and I were gay. She called us the boys next door, and she treated us like her boys. She gave us the key to her house in case we ever needed anything. She was a wonderful neighbor. Now, I just want to note that the town where Mother's memorial service was held a decade ago was not a safe place to talk about being gay, and certainly not in the church. But that's what happened at her memorial service. You see, a memorial service is a chance for God to use us one more time to make an impact on the people in our orbit. A memorial service is a way of making all of us who are still alive more aware of the small, ordinary things that make a difference keeping things and relationships really clean, being neighborly, making lots of people your family, praying for comfort. And so don't let me hear about any of you saying, oh no, I don't want anything, no service for me, just have somebody bury me. No, I don't want to hear about that because you would be denying your friends and family and maybe even some strangers a chance for the healing of the Holy Spirit that happens when our hearts are opened by love and grief. Because a memorial service is not for you. It's for the people who are still on earth. At your memorial service, the rest of us have a chance to frame the relationship we had with you during life and to start to piece together the relationship that we have you with you when you leave this earthly plane and go where Jesus said are many dwelling places. It's a time when we begin to start picturing you in one of those Jesus dwelling places, a new picture that needs development. Testimony 7. We're almost there. We had the calling hours for, at Mom and Daddy's house. People showed up with food and flowers and hugs and love and stories. Not a whole lot of words. But they were doing what Mother had done all of her life, sharing simple kindnesses. That's what counts at this time. I remember I started sobbing over the four chocolate meringue pies that showed up because Mom always made Daddy a chocolate meringue pie for his birthday, and it became a symbol of 65 years of love and marriage. And seeing it opened my heart, and I connected with the love and with the loss, particularly for my Daddy. 
See, in the Bible story, we read that this is what the women did for Tabitha. They came to her house. They prepared her body. They brought the clothes that she had made for them, and she showed everybody. And they talked about her acts of charity and devotion. And they wept, and they reached out for guidance. If you want to know something about how to go through the death of a loved one, just read that story of Tabitha in Acts 9. Now, at the time of death or loss or grief, people are more willing to be vulnerable or intimate with you if you just allow it. I remember at calling hours, Mr. A.J. Dexter came and sat beside me. He was a neighbor. He ate pie. And he told, started telling stories about growing up as a sharecropper's son. The sharecroppers were the next to the lowest on the social scale in rural North Carolina in the 1940s. Kind of like the women in the Bible that Tabitha served. Poor women who didn't have decent clothes until Tabitha made them and gave them. Mr. Dexter told me there at calling hours that his mother had to make his clothes from feed sacks. He talked about how he stuttered so badly that all the children made fun of him in school. And he had dyslexia, the type where he simply could not write. But he got into North Carolina State University on a football scholarship, and he graduated from the engineering school with all A's in math and physics and ended up an engineer and a highway commissioner. And so I asked Mr. Dexter, how did you get over stuttering? He, he answered quietly with great authenticity, looking me right in the eye. He said, I gave it to the Lord in prayer. And the Lord gave me a 10th grade teacher who worked with me every afternoon after school before football practice until I could talk. It was a miracle, he said, a miracle of prayer and conviction and kindness. That's what Peter did in the Bible, prayed. He prayed for Tabitha, this woman who had served God by kindly serving God's people. And it was a miracle what Peter was able to do through prayer, the story of her resurrection became a testimonial all throughout the land about how God can do things that seem impossible to us. Testimonials, like Mr. Dexter's and Tabitha's friends and her healing, they open our heart. And the open heart has a really big payoff. The payoff of an open heart is the experience of being empowered by kindness, fueled by tears, strengthened by pain, connected heart to heart with other beings, even strangers who tell sweet stories at calling hours, even characters in the Bible who become real and like friends. The open heart connects us with the divine mystery that Jesus proclaimed, where I am, you'll be also. So here's the summary. Death is normal, 
God is in charge. Talk about it. Grieve. Use humor. Celebrate life at the time of death. Kindness is the greatest gift, and God works in ways that seem impossible. So bear witness to your experience. And now the final testimonial. Do we have time? All right. My brother died at 46 of, after 13 years with cancer. And when the night that he died, we were all at Duke Hospital. Mom and Daddy, my two brothers, their families, my family, Kelly's three teenage sons and his wife. We called in the chaplain after he breathed his last breath, and the chaplain knew exactly what to say to young children. And it was beautiful. And we collected ourselves, and we walked towards the elevator, all of us, a big old mass of family. And we squeezed into the elevator, and all of a sudden, one of my nephews, Kelly's son, let out the biggest belch heard in America thus far. So we all started laughing hysterically in the elevator. We were just about to fall over laughing. You know that kind of laugh that, re that releases years of tension. Well, the elevator was about to close. We saw this woman running over to the elevator to try to catch it. She heard us laughing. She looked in and saw how crowded it was, and she said, I'll take the next elevator. So we went down to the lobby, and we were laughing and crying and hugging and talking about logistics. Because, you know, logistics, when things are difficult, logistics and rituals become our anchor. We were talking about all of that, and the, the elevator door opened, and this lady came out. And my brother Jim and my mother were standing side by side, and she went over to them, and she said, Excuse me, has there been a birth? And they looked at her, and they said, Yes. And that's the good news of the gospel. We are born. We walk together as we suffer and laugh and die. And we are given a new birth into what Christians call the resurrection and life everlasting. And the whole way, God is with us. Thanks be to God. Amen. We turn now to a time of prayer for our lives, our communities, and our lives and our communities. I invite you to assume the posture of prayer you are led to take at this moment be it sitting or kneeling or standing or coming to the communion rail, however the Spirit moves you is right in this time. Please join me in prayer, beginning with the sung call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord.
This morning, I will end each petition with the phrase, God of peace and justice, and I invite you to respond, hear our prayer. Creator of us all, you are with us in our deepest pain, fear, and bewilderment. You hear our cry when others turn a deaf ear and a cold heart. You lift us from the depths of discouragement and walk with us over the troubled waters of life. We come to you now with confidence, yet tired of being tired, tired of being divided, and tired of being sorrowful. We come to you now frustrated and motivated, yet weary and fragile. God of peace and justice, hear our prayer. We pray for reconciliation among families, factions, nations, and all other man-made dividing labels. We ask that love of your diverse creation would spread to every heart. Yet until then, give us the strength to see your face reflected even those who do not think like us, even if they look like us. Those who want to strip us or others of dignity and humanity, those who spout vitriol and hatred and do unspeakable damage to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, they too are made in your image, even if their actions seem distant from our understandings of Jesus' teachings. God of peace and justice, hear our prayer. We pray for those who are betrayed, beaten, thrown down, literally driven into or over, the abandoned, and those in bondage, fear or distress. We pray particularly for those in Charlottesville, whether residents or visitors, whether progressive in thought or white nationalists, we pray for peace and compassion, justice and tolerance. Charlottesville is but one of many locations recently fraught with tension and violence. So we also pray for Syria, for our relationship with North Korea, for Venezuela, and for all the places on our hearts known only to you. God of peace and justice, hear our prayer. Strengthen us, all of us, but especially those of us who benefit from white privilege. Strengthen us to forego any more complacency and complicity in the hateful and dehumanizing rhetoric we have heard this weekend by white supremacists and neo-Nazis, as well as the tirades and judgments against any of your creation. We must resist. Remind us, though, that resisting evil with evil begets more evil. And motivate us to stand firm for justice through peaceful and merciful actions. Do not let us add any more to the devastation so prevalent in our world. But rather, may we be a balm to souls injured at the hands of our brothers and sisters. God of justice and peace, hear our prayer. Clothe us with confidence to do what's right, especially when it's hard to do. Do not let us be bystanders. 
Motivate us to act when we see or hear of injustice, suffering, or oppression. Motivate us to act with our feet, our voices, our bodies, so that dreams of peace and justice may become reality. May our actions build love and tolerance for the beautiful diversity of your creation and appreciation for the valuable lessons difference can teach us. Guide of peace and justice, hear our prayer. Hold us up when we falter in these storms we seem ever caught in and give us the capability to see your face reflected in our enemies. For it is only when we acknowledge your presence in all created beings that we can begin the hard work of reconciliation and community building. God of peace and justice, hear our prayer. And now, with the confidence of children and in our most familiar tongue, we are bold to pray the prayer Jesus taught, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord is always with you. Everyone here is most welcome to our service of worship this morning. We invite you to help us to get to know you a little better and to get to know each other a little better by joining in our ritual of friendship. If you would please sign the red books that you will find at the center end of the pews, uh, at the center aisle and uh, then pass them along the pew, and uh, then when you get to the end, please pass them back so that you can see who you're sitting with and say hi after the service. 
Well, September is coming up very unbelievably fast, and there will be many activities uh, for the academic year starting that first week in September. We invite you to keep in touch by looking at our website, www.bu.edu chapel. You will also find there an opportunity for online giving. It is no small thing, and we are very thankful to be able to say that tomorrow morning at 5.30, Commonwealth Avenue, the BU Bridge, and all nearby streets are scheduled to reopen. It has been an ex- yeah, by all means, by all means. Um, it, is, it has been no small thing, and uh, we give our thanks to those who have worked so hard and for so long and in such very strange weather to provide these new amenities to our traveling. And we hope that they will enjoy a well-deserved rest um, after this opens. We continue our summer preaching series next week uh, for new directions in discipleship. Uh, We will be happy to welcome to our pulpit the Reverend Laura Merrill. She is a member of the Rio, Texas Conference of the United Methodist Church, and she is executive director of the Mission Vitality Center. So we look forward to her being with us next week. Last but certainly not least, we are all invited to lemonade and coffee just outside the front doors of the chapel. So please do just join us. Um, There is always plenty to go around, and we will be very happy that we can all talk together. So now the ushers will wait upon us for our tithes, our gifts, and our offerings. Now let us walk in love as Christ loved us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
new heaven and a new earth. We ask you to bless these gifts and we the givers. As the troubles of this world weigh on us this morning, we ask you to transform our hearts and our gifts so that we and they will serve your vision for a new, more just, and more peaceful creation. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus, who is a mighty counselor and the Prince of Peace. Amen. We've talked a lot about death this morning, but I want to leave us um, with a benediction that comes from the wedding ceremony, the wedding ritual. May God the Eternal keep you in love with each other so that the peace of Christ may abide in your home. Go and serve God and your neighbor in all that you do. Bear witness to the love of God in this world so that those to whom love is a stranger will find in you generous friends. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the community of the Holy Spirit 
be with you all. Amen.